Hi, this is Sarit Switzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 589 for the 15th of Tammuz in a regular year. Today's episode has been generously sponsored by Ruth Bas Natalia Esther in honor of her birthday. Happy birthday, Ruta, Ruth, uh, and thank you so much for choosing to honor your birthday by sponsoring this podcast episode. For other sponsorship opportunities, you can reach out to me at itistaught at gmail.com or just go onto the website, itistaught.com. Uh, or if you're part of my WhatsApp group, you can just you know message me from WhatsApp as well. So getting into today's Tanya. So today we're going to bridge the gap between two topics that we've brought up in the Tanya so far. Uh, one of those is the ineffable name of God otherwise known as the Gyodke Vavke or the Tetragrammaton. Uh, this is the name of God that is composed of four letters, the Yod, the He, and the Vav, and the He. And then the other thing we're going to talk about is the Spheros, the 10 energy forces by which God creates the world at all times and sustains the world at all times. So uh, so we know, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the name, the Tetragrammaton, uh, to begin with. So we know that we've mentioned in the Tanya, before previously that God goes by different names. There are many different names of God that we can refer to God by. And the reason why God has so many different names is because this is sort of like, you know, the different ways that we relate to God. It's not that God, God forbid, is compartmentalized in that kind of way, but it's just like how it is that we are relating to him. So just like, as we've spoken about before, you can have one person who is both a mother and a sister and a wife, you know, and things like that. And depending on your relationship to this person, depending on, and even if maybe, you know, this person, let's say you have a child in school whose mother is their teacher, they might address them a certain way when they're at school and then address them a different way when they're at home. So depending on the relationship that you have with this person in that moment, that's the way that you are going to relate to the person. But then you have their essential name. This is, you know, in Judaism, we really believe that our name, our full Hebrew names really are our essential or our essence in a way, like they sort of point to our essence. This is why when we pray for a sick person or, you know, just uh, give somebody a bracha or whatever it is, we really have in mind their full name, their actual name in Hebrew. So, so too for God, as much as God has all these different names that we refer to him by, there is this one essential name that's sort of like the essence and the source of all of them. That's the name of the Yod Kevavke, which is why we don't say it out loud because it is kind of ineffable. It's tr- trans- translated, it sort of means he, uh, pa- it alludes to the idea of past, present, and future, which kind of alludes again to this idea of God uh, being above time, being above all of that. 
transcending it all. It's the transcendent name of God. And it's it's the source of all of the other ones. So when we say that it's the source of all the other names, it's really the source of everything in the world. And as we've already spoken about previously in the podcast, we know that the way that God chose to create the world is, yes, it's through his speech, but then there's the building blocks through which he create, creates the world. And those are known as the spheros, the 10 spheres, we can call them, or um, sapphires. It's hard to translate that word exactly. And those are the 10 building blocks through which everything in the world is created. And since we know that the creation of the world really stems from within God, and as we've already spoken about in Sharia Chodbah Muna, uh, there is no division really essentially between God and the world, then these spheros are really to be found within God himself. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. This, this is where we're going to bridge that gap. We're going to look at this ineffable name of God, this yud Vavke, and we're going to show how the spheros are actually alluded to in that name within those four letters. And what this whole discussion is going to lead us to, which is what we're really going to get into more tomorrow, so stay tuned for that, is what it means when we say that we were created in the image of God. We know that this is a famous thing. It comes up in, uh, in Brashis in the very beginning of the Bible that we were created in the image of God that we have all of these character traits that God has as well, obviously to a very different degree and in a very different way. So when we talk about God's wisdom, for example, it's not the same thing as human wisdom by any means, but yet these are kind of like archetypes that we can use to help us understand God. So when we look at our wisdom, I've mentioned this before as well, that rather than thinking of it as like we say that God is wise because that's uh, easy, something that's relatable to us because we have wisdom, we can look at it and say that we are wise because this is something that we can relate to. And this can help us understand God's wisdom. So let's get straight into the text and see how the Alter Rebbe explains all of this. For context, we're in Igerasad Shuva in the middle of chapter four. So the Alter Rebbe begins and he says that the explanation for this idea that the that a person comes in this name of Havaya, which is what, where we left off, yesterday, it can be understood from the statement in Patah Eliyahu, where it says, and this is from the introduction to the Tikkun Zohar, that you who, you, and this is, I'm reading the translation because I, I don't speak Aramaic as well as I speak Hebrew, so you are he who elicited the ten Tikkunim, meaning garments, which we call the ten spheros, by which to conduct the concealed worlds and the revealed worlds. You are wise, but not with a knowable attribute of wisdom. You understand, but not with a knowable attribute of understanding, and so on, uh, with regards to each of the remaining spheres. So meaning that like each one of the spheres that God has these attributes, but not in a way that is known. All the 10 spheres are included and represented in their source, the Tetragrammaton, the yod Vavke. So how is it? So now the altar is going to explain how it is that all of these ten spheros can actually are actually hinted at in the yud Vavke, in this four-letter name of God. So we see that the yud, the first letter of the name of the yud Vavke, is the aspect of just a dot. It's just a point, and this hints at the aspect of chokhmah, of God's chokhmah, which is the which is the idea of concealment and hiddenness, 
that, that, that comes before it comes into understanding and comprehension. So the idea of chokhmah, basically like this attribute of chokhmah is when people like know something, it's often like referred to as intuition. It's like this thing of like the spark of, of, of like insight that a person gets, but it's, it's not even revealed fully to themselves, let alone to the world. So that's why it's alluded to in this idea of the yud, this point. And the kutz, like the little thorn that's above the yud. So if you ever look at like a, a yud, especially the way that it's written in like the more ancient kind of text, it has this little like chup cheek, like this little, uh, little like uh, protrusion that comes outside of the letter. And that little protrusion is sort of thought to be like higher than a chokhmah. It's thought to be the aspect of will, which is higher than chokhmah, uh, than the supernal chokhmah as is now known. And so afterwards, so first we start with this level of chokhmah. So we have this like the ratzon, which is the chupchik that's right coming out of the yod. Then we have the chokhmah, that's the yod itself. And then this chokhmah, this like initial spark of insight or intuition comes into revelation. Like it's, it overflows into a way of revelation and understanding in it, but it's still in the concealed worlds in the almond stimen. And this is represented by the letter he which has the idea, if you look at the letter hey, the way that it is uh, illustrated, like the form of the letter hey, it's very wide, like it, it takes up a lot of space. And so this hints at the idea of width, which, uh, which really points to this idea of the widening of understanding and of explanation. So it's like a, an intuition is something that's very like, it's, it's like thought of as like a seminal point. It's like you have an insight, you have like a spark. It's like this like initial uh, spark of lightning that a person has when they have like, aha, I got it. But once they start to elaborate upon the idea, once they start to really think about that idea, it becomes much more expansive, which is why it's alluded to with the letter hey. And the hey is not only expansive in a width kind of sense, but it also has a length to it. So again, if you look at the hey, there's also, there's like the two lines that that uh, go on the sides. And then there's another line in the middle that points at the length of it. So what's the idea of the length is that it's, it has this ability. There's like a downward flow in it where it can actually flow downwards. It can bring this idea down into the concealed worlds. And then afterwards from this extension into, so from the extension into the concealed worlds, then the extension continues even further down into the revealed world. So what does this mean from the hidden worlds into the revealed world? So the level of Bina, this, the hidden worlds, so while it is very expansive and it is very like elaborative, like there's a lot going on, it's still within the self. It's still the, the self that is comprehending. So when a person, for example, is engaged in the process of Bina, they are no longer in that level of that seminal insight. Now they're into this more expansive way of thinking thinking about the idea, but it is still within themselves. They haven't actually revealed it to anybody else yet. But then once we want to get into this level of having it come down and become revealed into the revealed world. So this is like a person, the ultra Rabbi explains, that wants to reveal their chokhmah to other people through their speech, for example. And this aspect of the revelation to other is, uh, is manifest through the letters vav and he. So we see basically, so just to pause here to kind of put this in perspective, the first two letters of the Yud Ke Vav Ke, the Yud and the, and the initial He are more internal. They're more about the re revelation to the self versus the second two letters, the Vav and the He are about revelation to other. 
So why is this? This is because the Vav has to do, if you look at the Vav, the way that it is, it's a straight line. So it, it's all about drawing down. It's about drawing it down to below. And we know that this drawing down comes from the Midah of Hashem's Chesed and His goodness, as well as all of His other holy Midos that uh, that are all encompassed in the letter six. So why the letter six? So the altar rabbi here is going to cite a pasuk and he's going to just mention a few parts of the pasuk, uh, but I'm actually going to read the full pasuk because I think it will give a better context. So this is from Divrei Hayamim, chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, Lecha Hashem hagdula v'agvura v'atiferet v'anetzach v'ahod. Ki chol b'ashamayim v'aretz lecha Hashem ha'mamrecha v'amitnaseh lechol arosh. So in Hebrew, what that means is for you, God, are the greatness, the might, the glory, the victory, the majesty, and all that is in the heavens and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom and you are he who is exalted over everything as leader. So if you just read this like superficially, it just sounds like, okay, we're, we're giving Hashem all these praises, nice things and everything. But it's actually a very deep thing going on because in Hebrew, we actually see that there's a breakdown of the six mitos that are pointed out here. And then we have the mita of Malchus, which is its own thing. So we see there's the Gedula, which is Chesed, Gvora, which is Gvora, then Tiferet, then Netzach, and then Hod. And then Yesod isn't spelled out explicitly, but I guess it's implied in that passage. So the main idea is that basically um, the altar is saying that this this is showing that this, there's six mitos of Hashem, and these six mitos all come from Hashem's chesed, because chesed is the initial one of all of that. And so that's that's what the vav represents, is, is the six mitos of Hashem. And that's why the vav actually not only is it a straight line, but it also... Uh, uh, according to Gematria, the numerical value of it is of six, is six. So it, it corresponds to these six pitos. And the altar of it just specifies that the reason why we don't include Malchus here is because Malchus is called the word of God. It's Val Hashem. Uh, and he gives a, a proof of this. And this is from Kohelet, uh, from chapter 8, verse 4 of Kohelet, where it says, where it says, wherever the word of the king holds sway. So, uh, so basically, so there's a, there's, there's a connection between the word and the king. So the idea of the dvar melech, the, the speech of the king. And the ultra says that this attribute of Hashem's malchus, this is hinted at in the last name, the last letter of Hashem's name, the last hey of the Shem, of the name Yodke Vavke. Uh, and the reason why, why is it specifically a hey, like why this letter hey, is because the inner aspects and the source of speech is the, the supernal breath that comes from the heart and is divided up into the five parts of the mouth. And five is in Hebrew, the Hebrew letter that has the numerical uh, equivalent of five is hey. What are the five parts of the mouth? So the ultra doesn't specify all five of them right now, but he he alludes to the first one. He, he mentions explicitly the first one and basically gives us an idea that there are five. So there's like the one that he mentions is the throat. So it's like one way that we speak is through the throat. These are the letters of the Aleph, Chet, Hey, and Ayn. Uh, then just to give you an idea, there's certain letters that are more related to the lips. These are like the bets, the Vav, the Mem, and the Pei. So 
each one of the Hebrew letters, basically, it's like the way that they're spoken, it's through one of the one of five different organs of speech. There's five basic organs of speech, and this is how they are manifest. This is how speech manifests. It's it's that our breath passes through these five organs of speech. And these five oral articulations, as they're called, is what causes the speech to manifest, which is why hey five is representative of this idea of malchus, which is representative of the idea of speech. And not only that, there's another way that we can understand that how hey is connected to speech, to kind of like the source and origin of speech, because hey is the idea of unvocalized breath. Like it's like a ha sound, like it's just like, uh, just has no actual substance to it. And the ultra rubber brings uh, proof from this. This is from... Um, from something in, a, in the sitter where it says atak lila ba meshasha, which means a light letter without substance. That's what how we can think of the hay. The hay kind of doesn't have its own substance to it. It's like the primordial form of speech, the raw aspect of speech, which again is why it we can think of speech of the hay being uh, parallel to to the to malchus, which is connected to speech. Okay, now the ultra goes on and he says that uh, that all these things that we're talking about, you know, God and speaking and God uh, feeling like his emotive attributes, all this stuff. But we we know that God doesn't have a physical body, God forbid. But nevertheless, we know, as we mentioned before, that the Torah speaks in the language of God, of man. And not only that, that when we say Deval Hashem, the, 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 the speech of God, we're referring to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which are divided up into five different parts, into the five different articulations, with, which, which, which created, caused the creation of every single creation in the world. As we explained earlier on in Likutei Amarim, Chalik Bet, which is Shagachot Vamona, chapter 11, as I mentioned in the introduction, we mentioned this, so we, we spoke about this in detail there. So you can go back and listen to those podcast episodes where we talked about this more in detail. So the basic idea is that we talk about God having speech. We talk about God uh, speaking the world into existence, but the ultra is just reminding us God's speech is not like our speech. We call it speech because that's what we can relate to, but it's really, it's, it's another thing. But the reason why we call it speech is because just like speech is divided up and is manifest through the five articulations of the mouth, so too is God. Does God speak the world into existence by virtue of these five articulations? So that's the end of the section for today, and tomorrow we'll continue along these lines. When, as I mentioned, we will get into the soul of man and how this relates to the idea that we were created in the image of God. So stay tuned for that, and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.